Welcome to another episode of Wellness Wisdom. I'm your host, Shannon Spears, and today we're diving into a topic that is close to all of our hearts, mental health during the holidays. It's a season of joy and celebration, but it can also be a challenging time for many. Joining me in this roundtable discussion are our dedicated holistic health coaches, each bringing unique insights. We've got with us today, Sarah Beaton, Jane Phillips, Kathy Riley, and Bobby McGrath. Welcome, ladies. All right. As always, our medical disclaimer, the information that you hear in this episode today is for educational use only. Before you make any health and lifestyle changes, please take the time to call your doctor or set an appointment with your doctor to talk with them about the changes you want to make and get their approval. All right, let's begin. During the holiday season, it's crucial to recognize the impact that it can have on our mental health. We've talked to this a little bit in some previous episodes when we've talked about the holidays, right? Um, but statistics reveal as of 2021 that approximately 88% of people experience heightened stress, anxiety, or even depression during the holiday time. The holidays can definitely serve as that magnifying glass, amplifying any pre-existing emotions and challenges that people are going through, right? So let's dive deeper into some of the most common stress points that people encounter during the holidays. I know like family gatherings, while joyous, can often bring those complex dynamics to the forefront. We've done a previous episode on repairing relationships during the holidays. Um, we've had financial pressures driven by gift giving and increased expensive. This also leads to anxiety. Again, we've had another previous episode where we talk about not making financial issues the focus of the holidays and, and getting um, new traditions started and other options. Um, and additionally, social obligations, those expectations that can weigh heavily on individuals, especially if it comes from family, right? So from your perspectives, why do you think the holiday season tends to be a challenging time for mental well-being? Sarah, how about you pop in? Well, two things come to my mind. Um, both of them I've had obviously experience with. The first one is grief. I think, you know, everyone's lost someone, right? Whether it's through death, through a divorce or some kind of loss, right? For me in particular, it's been my father. So I lost my dad during the holidays. So I have a special empathy for people who've lost someone during the holidays. It was 20 years ago, this coming January. So he went in the hospital um, first week of December and he died January 4th. And, um, you know, I think that's really affected me and how I perceive the holidays. I mean, I've, I've just never been the same. I hate to say it. I try to be better during the holidays because Christmas used to be my favorite. But when you have a loss during that time, Christmas music, all those sounds that you're used to, it they kind of take on that negativity. So I've had to do a lot over the years to try to get past that. Obviously, time has marched on, right? I'm better now, but um, I can easily go back there, as I think anyone can when you've lost someone any time through the year, because the holidays are such a special time for all of us, for our families, but especially if you've lost someone during the holidays, right? So um, that is is one. Second one I would say is pressure. Um, this particular for me, like the pressure of like having that list shopping, right? One time, and then it would continue after this happened. Specifically, remember when my kids were a little bit younger, not too young, 
I was coming out of Target and I was racing around getting checking everything off just to get it done, right? So we can move on through the holidays. And I walked out of Target and I felt completely empty. And I thought to myself, wow, this is the holidays. I'm running around doing something that seems very shallow to please my kids, which little kids, you know, and, and they might have been a little older at that point. They don't really understand. But what am I showing them? Number one. Number two, I, sh I wasn't focusing on what's important and what I truly wanted. And that is to spend time, quality time with my friends and family, not racing around doing something that just end of the day doesn't matter. Right. When you think of what's important in life. So so those and then piggybacking off that just being overscheduled. Right. So doing too many things during that holiday time. So if you're working full time, for example, and you have maybe you have the last week of the year off for the last two weeks and you want to spend time with your family, you want to bake with your kids, you want to do, you know, if you have little kids, you want to do crafts or, you know, di different things that you might want to do. Watch Hallmark movies together. If you're running around doing all these meaningless things because you're overscheduled, you're going to miss those times. So those are two that really stand out to me. Yeah. And I want to jump in with the expectation piece. You know, uh, suppose you are a new family, you just had a newborn and you just want to relax at home and you have all your, your family saying, well, I want you to be here and you want you to be there. Can you be here then? Can we, you know, all this stuff. And so it's okay to just say this year we're doing something different. We're just honoring our little family. You just need to decompress from everything, all the excitement and everything and all the day-to-day -day things that happen with a newborn. So again, it's okay to do what's best for you, right? It's kind of set more or less uh, tying into boundaries to some degree. And someone also may be experiencing heightened issues with a mental condition that they have. They could have anxiety and depression, bipolar, uh, and just all feels too much. So those are times where you need to just say, hey, I just need to, I need to, um, I appreciate the invite. I can do this many invites. I can go uh, to this invite for X amount of time. And that's, that's where my boundaries are. That's what I can do this year. So I think that goes a long way in, uh, you know, communicating what your needs are and what works best for you. And people understand if they, if they love you, they'll understand. Um, I have to agree with Jane and Sarah. Um, I think time management uh, during the holidays is one of the most important things you really need to do, knowing when to say no and what's important to you and your family and your your, your mental health. Um, I mean, that's what this whole thing is about. Um, you know, one of the things I think we talked about last week or the week before was, you know, the, the gifts that we ha are, are giving, you know, either make them, you know, homemade, make it a project to, where you can have something together earlier in the year instead of waiting till the last minute. Or like I like to shop the, as soon as Christmas is over, I start shopping. I have eight grandchildren. So I throw, you know, we got birthdays and, and Christmas. So whenever I see something that um, would be appropriate for their age or what have you, I just have a box in the back of the closet and throw a gift in there, you know, every every few weeks so that I have gifts for them. Yeah, but uh, just you just know when to say no and, and limit your mental capacity so that you can enjoy the holidays, I think is so important. And jumping on that, you know, a lot of times people don't realize when they're coming to events or you're coming up on like, for instance, my sister passed November of 2022. 20, so last fall, 
right before Thanksgiving. So we did go through that first Thanksgiving, Christmas, her birthday, her spouse's birthday right away. And I think we were all still in a fog. Like it just didn't even make sense. Right. But it's coming up on a year and there's things that are triggers. You don't really know what triggers anybody. Um, We get triggered by smell. We get triggered by music and sound songs decorations. We get triggered by food. Um, you get triggered by just someone's kind of like their demeanor, like is so-and-so going to come to the party happy or so-and-so going to drink too much and get, you know, out of control, those kind of things. And our, our mind really craves, our body craves predictability. And sometimes that predictability is even that you're predicting that it's negative, but you just need it. You kind of need a roadmap for for what's going on. And so triggers are hard because you don't necessarily know for sure that you're going to be triggered. I know for a long time when I went through quite a bit of uh, grief in my family, not just with my sister recently, but my mom and my brother passed away 10 weeks apart. And there was just so much grief coming up in my system. I could be at the grocery store and get triggered and be in tears and not even really know why. And then when you map it back, I figured out, oh, you know, something came up that reminded me of my mom and that kind of stuff. So the holidays can be very triggering. And so just acknowledging that can be helpful, like just out loud, acknowledging it out loud when you get to an occasion like, wow, you know, it's going to be hard this year. You know, I, I know my sister would make this bread recipe that my mom made that she got from my dad's grandmother. And every year we have this particular Swedish bread called rusks. I know that those rusks won't be there this Christmas. Could I take on that task of making the bread? Yes. And I have to make that decision. But sometimes you just need to have either traditions, new traditions, um, and move on and grieve the fact that that tradition's gone or have someone else step in and, you know, make the the rum balls or whatever, things like that, that people have in their family. One of the things that we did um, when my kids were young is my my husband grew up having <clears throat> pizza under the tree. So they go into the family room, you cut your pizza and you take your nice china and you'd slap your pizza down on there. You take the kids in and go sit under the tree and have pizza. And that was one of the things he did as a little kid. And we did it for, you know, our kids, I don't know if we necessarily still do it now, but I bet if I said, hey, you guys want to go have pizza under the tree, they'd they'd have some good memories. So triggers are something that people need to be aware of and be cognizant and and also be grace-filled because what might be a trigger for someone isn't for someone else, but they don't understand it. But you still have to acknowledge that that person has emotions around that. Yeah, that's an awesome tradition, Bobby. Just the simplest tradition, right? Pizza on fine china into the tree, right? Yeah. I know for us, when we talk about triggers, I think we also need to talk about maybe those family members that have mental health issues that the rest of the family is feeling throughout this year as well. Um, Our oldest has a traumatic brain injury and has some um, behavioral issues. And, you know, he's been on his own for quite a few years. He's 28 now. Um, But this time of year, I really worry about him because he has chosen to house hop and, you know, not have a steady job and not have a steady place to stay and things like that. And how that affects the rest of the family, especially when we're going to family functions and everybody's asking about him. And it's not necessarily something, you know, that every family member wants to talk about and bring the negativity into that holiday celebration, right? 
Um, you know, it's always something we always give him the option, but it, there's a lot of years where it's difficult to find him. And, you know, in the past couple of years, you know, he's, he's been, you know, addicted. So it's just things like that, that can be triggering, not for someone personally going through a mental health issue, right. But extended family members that may be affecting um, everyone during the holidays too. So I think it's very mindful. You have to be very mindful of that. And even if you don't understand it, you know, to approach conversations like that, you know, very carefully and understand if they don't want to talk about it or, you know, they'll, they'll call you a couple of days later, you know, things like that to just be mindful and be respectful of things like that. Um, that's also one of the things though, that has prompted our family to help the homeless, especially during the holidays and doing coat drives and, and all of these different things, getting involved in um, the addict recovery program that we had at church. I mean, it's just those things that help us during the holidays, right? Um, so let's transition to a more positive note and explore some practical tips for safeguarding mental health during the holidays. First and foremost, communication is key. You don't voice what's going on. You don't voice the issues that are at hand. Nobody knows, you know, um, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, right? Um, and so honest and open conversations with loved ones can help alleviate any misunderstandings and tensions. And it really is okay to express your needs and your boundaries. We've heard us talk about boundaries on several episodes so far. Just remember you're your own best advocate. So asking for help is a sign of strength not weakness. Being a military wife, this is uh, something that's ever more prevalent in our family, has been for, you know, 20-some years in our lives. And it's a very hard mindset to break for those who have been in the military, whether they're active military or they're a veteran family, because in the military, they teach you that emotions will get you killed. So that's something that they carry throughout the rest of their life. But, you know, they have to make this change this adjustment when they come into the civilian world. And it's important to understand that. And, and even today in our society, it doesn't take just being military. There's so many things that are going on in today's society and so many stigmas against mental health that you can feel very alone. And you can feel like if I show emotions, I'm going to be judged. Somebody's going to say something. Somebody's going to be nasty. Somebody's going to bully me because I've showed emotions, right? Like our kids learn that even in school, you know, that a lot of them are bullied because, you know, they're, they cry about something where they, you know, they've been more gentle about something than somebody else has. Right. So it's kind of ingrained in our society. The holidays, you know, they don't have to be a solitary journey and it's very important to seek health help when you need it, whether it's from friends, family, mental health professionals. Kathy, how about you start off the conversation and, and help share some strategies for overcoming the stigma surrounding seeking support for mental health challenges? Well, um, this isn't actually a stigma, but I just wanted to point out some resources, I think, of where you might be able to find some help that you hadn't thought of. Um, I, I, I recently found out that they actually, our county has a sliding scale available for mental health. Um, so you, you don't, you know, maybe you think you don't, can't afford it. Um, there is sliding scale 
um, mental health clinics out there um, if you search for them. Um, another one we've discussed in the past is uh, betterhealth.org or betterhelp.com, excuse me. Um, you know, you can go online and find somebody who aligns with your values um, very easily with a, a questionnaire on the, on the website and find somebody that you can find, you know, speak to locally. Um, so those are just a couple of options that I think that people need to be aware of so that they can find the help that they, they need. I love that. I think when people have options and they can get educated, that's when they can make decisions. Because I think a lot of times with the the stigma of seeking mental health, I mean, people will say, oh, my kid broke their arm. You know, who? what orthopedic do you want? You know, do you have you use and things like that? But not a lot of people are going to say, hey, I'm having massive panic attacks and anxiety and not sleeping. Who would you suggest I go talk to? That's just not normal bus stop conversation, right? And I think when people get a little more educated and sometimes when the person themselves is in, is the person that needs to seek the information, doesn't have the capacity um, to do that at that point, they're not able to do the research and ask the questions. You need a support person. That doesn't necessarily always mean that it needs to be the, the spouse or the significant other. It could be another family member or a trusted friend, but anytime you can take and pull the curtain back and say, this is what mental health treatment looks like. It's not about the stuff that you see in the movies, right? And everybody's going to be have electrodes on their head and getting shocked or, you know, having these awful kind of sessions with a therapist where you have to go back and relive the story. Actually, one of the resources I want to share is a, uh, an organization uh, called Trauma Healing Accelerated. And Dr. Amy Apigian is one of my mentors. I've done classes with her and done some certifications with her. She does a ton of work with um, teaching people that you don't have to go back through the hard, terrible story or the trauma or the even the small traumas, the little T's. You don't have to go back through and rip the bandaid off to get through it. You just need to be able to connect in your body somatically with your organs and your thoughts and your feelings and things like that and work through it. And some of it is just you being more connected to your own body and aware. So I want to make sure that people have an ability to seek out different therapies that don't have to do with talking all the time. There's tons of different types of modalities for that. No, I think that's great, Bobby. I, I took a note of that um, trauma healing accelerated. I want to look into that. That's very interesting. Um, for me, I think it's really important at the community level, in the schools especially, um, like stress reduction webinars or classes, or um, even they have like at our local school, peer-to-peer -peer support groups, peer-to-peer -peer mental health partners, that type of thing, even starting like in middle school, which is nice when the kids have anxiety. So I think things like that to help teach, you know, mindfulness and relaxation techniques, things like that. Um, also just normalizing mental health checkups, just like we have physical health checkups, right? Regularly. And, and I think that's come a long way, you know, from years ago, but talking about it regularly out in the community, talking about it with other adults, other kids and kids talking about it. I think the more we do that, as simple as it sounds, the more normal it's going to appear in our society because looking back to when I was younger, I mean, I had anxiety when I was younger, more situational, but I didn't even know what it was. I mean, I didn't talk about it with anyone. My parents, kids didn't talk. Well, you just didn't talk about that stuff. 
where now, I mean, as parents throughout the years, you know, I've got three grown adults now. I mean, the kids, we've always talked about this with other parents. The kids talk about it with their friends at school. I think, I just really think we've come a long way. And I think we're really, our culture is very different now. So I think that's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Another thing I thought about is for a person not to equate your, your, themselves with their illness. So in other words, uh, I'm bipolar. No, is I have a bipolar condition. If you reframe it, it's going to go a long way into uh, flipping the script on the stigma. You change your mindset around your experience of mental health overall. And then you can also choose a doctor carefully. Choose one who's already breaking the stigma, who's out there and um, talking about these things as well, right? And another thing, and you've probably heard this before, is just join a support group. Um, connecting with others who are facing similar challenges. And so that promotes a sense of community and mutual understanding. And by all means, find an advocate as well, uh, because they can support you with work issues and financial matters, because oftentimes if someone has um, mental challenges, then it spills into work and your finances. So it's really good to have that support system in place. And don't be stubborn, just look and you know everybody needs help of some sort so uh, let's break that stigma absolutely jane and i just want to pick up from you know those labels that you were talking mm -hmm. about right yeah. um you know it's funny because all three of my kids are on the spectrum my oldest because of his brain injury is a lot higher on the spectrum of autism but we notice signs with both of our other children of autism one of my middle child had to do with vaccines um, he actually stopped speaking um, um, mm -hmm. that third round of vaccines. And we had to do a lot of occupational therapy to bring him out of that. But he never knew that he was on the autism spectrum because I never wanted him labeled. Our oldest was labeled and we saw what he went through in school. And they're like, oh, but he has to have the label so we can get the occupational yes. therapy. Do this yes. and, that. and I'm like, but it doesn't do much good. The fight that I still had to have with my older child to get him the services he needed because the teachers just didn't want to follow through with a plan every day because it was extra work for them. I was like, it's not worth it. I would rather teach him the coping skills and, and do these things at home and outside of school, you know? And so we learned through that process with my other two children. My son was 18. My middle son was 18 or 19. He came home. He says, Mom, I think I have autistic traits. And I said, well, you certainly do. And he says, you've known the whole time. And I'm like, yes, but I didn't want you to go through life labeled because then you yes. have the limiting mindset <laughs> of that. So they both learned to embrace it. My daughter was probably 16, 15, 16 when she started noticing things. And she thought it was just because of their trauma. I'm like, no, trauma just kind of enhances that. Like there's different ways that you're going to deal with things and you learn to cope, right? So they've both kind of accepted it. They dig in, they do a lot of research. They've learned a lot of education, which brings me to, you know, the next thing we need to talk about is this year, especially um, really ramping up the last couple of years while we've all been isolated through, you know, the whole viral chaos and everything, but social media, social media is definitely that one place that is trying to stop the mental health stigma. There are so many reels and videos and people coming out and talking about what they're experiencing, what symptoms they have, the, the things that they do every day that they didn't realize was this, this or that, but they're not labeling 
You know, that's the most important thing. They're not labeling. They're finding ways to adapt to life while having this or experiencing these types of things, right? But I think it's also important to note here that watching those videos on TikTok and Instagram and all of that is it's not a place to self-diagnose yourself, right? It's it, you can get education, but take the next step and let that propel you into wanting to go to someplace like betterhelp.com and find the therapist that is right for you. I love betterhelp.com because you have a variety of coaches and therapists that you can go to. If you don't like one, you can get fitted with another. If you don't like that, you fitted with another. Like it's not a huge thing till you find somebody that works well with you. Let's dive into now the concept of triggers <laughs> and how they can affect our mental health during the holidays. It's different for everybody, right? They can take many forms from emotional triggers tied to past memories and traumas to specific situations or people, Bobby, like you point, like smells and things like that, right? recognizing these triggers is the first step in managing them effectively and setting boundaries is another crucial aspect of self-care during this time it's okay to pri prioritize your mental well-being i know for myself with triggers like it's been a long process um, my kids have all been through trauma so the process of figuring out who is triggered by what and understanding it's different for each one of them and being on top of that and as a parent noticing those triggers before they do so that you can at least be prepared for what's to come and being able to calm them down, right? So who would like to start out in providing um, some insights into how individuals can set boundaries and limit triggers to protect their mental health during the holidays? Kathy, how about you? Sure. Um, I was going to say one of the things I like to do is you make, make sure you're setting real, realistic expectations. I mean, we all have this perfect idea of how, how Christmas or the holidays is supposed to be. Um, most of the time it doesn't turn out like that. It's not going to be a wonderful life, <laughs> you know? So um, I think that's the biggest thing is just know that things are going to go wrong and you just have to take a deep breath and be okay with it. You know, it's, it's the holidays. Stuff's going to happen just like it does every other day of the week. <laughs> so that's another one. And then just being flexible to know that the plans might change and you might have to shift a little bit and um, you know, be adaptable so that you can enjoy every moment you can. Yeah, I agree with Kathy in setting those realistic expectations, including deciding ahead of time, okay, we've got this event coming up. How long will we plan on being there? And there's also the fact that if you are at the uh, event and things aren't necessarily going like you expected, which is reality, right? Things aren't going to be 100% picture perfect. Just go find a way to uh, take a mini break. Just go take a quick walk, uh, whatever it is. Excuse yourself, go to the restroom, go you know, go get some water to, to drink or something like that. Kind of breaks up that whole pattern of thought and uh, kind of dispels that energy. Yeah, I think also taking like if you're going somewhere, you're going to a family outing, you're going to a party with a friend to make sure that whoever's with you that you're going with, somebody's aware of some of these triggers, you know, that you may have so they can help you navigate through those, especially if it's things like anxiety attacks, panic attacks, right? Like they are someone who's close to you. You do a lot together. Them being able to recognize the signs of those things coming as well. Um, you know, I think sometimes we think of as parents, we would do that for our, for our kids, but we don't think of it as far as like going out with our friends and, you know, extended family. So 
when you know that you have a potential or a high potential for something happening, just make sure somebody is with you that can recognize those signs if you're not comfortable in speaking them in that specific situation, right? Sarah, how about you? Yeah, I mean, boundaries, triggers. I mean, one of the things that I learned that I think Kathy might have mentioned earlier was saying no. When I learned to say no years ago, I mean, now I am so excited to say no because I feel so much better saying no. And it's just a freeing feeling, right? Instead of feeling forced to do something when deep down you really don't want to do it. Um, when it comes to going to events, um, I mean, if you're with your family, creating a code word, you know, when you want to leave, you know, maybe it's getting too late and everyone's having fun, but you have that code word and you're out of there. Or if you're going somewhere and you're alone and you're afraid that if you carpool with a friend, you're going to be kind of stuck there and really want to go home early. Maybe you're an, an early to bed person. I just drive myself that way you can get out of there. And then that's going to like set your tone and you're going to enjoy yourself so much more at that event because you're not going to worry about when you're going to be able to get out of there. Just practicing self-care, I think, is going to help you learn to kind of deal with those triggers during the holidays. Just taking time for yourself and taking care of yourself first is going to help you respond and react differently to people. I love the protect your way home <laughs> process <laughs> because that's, for a lot of people, that's very anxiety provoking of how long do I have to stay here? When can I leave? waiting around for people that are not yeah. wrapping it up, that kind of stuff. So I love that because carpooling is great, saves gas, but it also makes it, you get trapped. So exactly. um, one thing I wanted to share is that between 10 and 20% of the population have what's called seasonal affective disorder. And it's as, as the sun sets sooner and rises late, you know, later, we can have issues with the person suffering from it can have issues with their neurotransmitters, which is a lot of their messengers in your body. One of which men, multiple are your happy hormones. So if you're already going in to the holiday season and by Christmas time, you know, we're hitting some of the darkest, longest days and you're fatigued because of the holidays, the triggers that we're all talking about are going to be, have much less reserve. Your, your reserves are so much smaller. And some people are literally have no reserves. They're coming into the holidays under like negative, right? And so you have to be more cognizant of the fact that like Jane was saying, and Sarah, you were saying, don't overschedule yourself to the point where you're just like a piece of, you know what, walking into the party or hosting, right? And you're hosting and you're running on fumes and people can see it. They can feel it, you know, keep it simple, with some of the things that you do in the holidays, but being more aware of the fatigue piece of it, you can, some of the ways you can do that is fill your tank or Shannon likes to talk, fill your cup in the morning, get up <coughs> in the morning before your day starts and get out into the um, sunlight and get the sun on your eyes, because that's going to really help with that circadian rhythm. It's going to help your sad seasonal affective disorder. If you have one perk up your, you know, daytime hormones and things like that. And then getting just that time to yourself before you pour into other people, before you start on the to-do list, before you have all of your time used up that day, if you pour into yourself first, that's going to give you kind of that little extra space in your tank so that you can go into these events and be present and be joyful and not have that back 
you know, backroom conversation going on in your head. What's this person going to say? What's that person going to say? You know, especially if there's triggers like someone's lost their job and someone says, hey, how's your job going? You know, some of that is you need to practice ahead of time. What, you know, what are your triggers and how would I respond to a comment like that? You know, come up with it, say it out loud, practice with your significant other, help your kids through, you know, think about rough questions. Like I know, especially when your kids reach that, you know, senior year time and they're doing all of the college prep or not going to college or and people are asking them these questions like, well, what school are you going to? And what are you majoring in? And it's just like overwhelm, you know, and maybe you teach or help your kid figure out a, a one sentence response that they can say to every little aunt and uncle and grandma and grandpa and feel okay about it so that they can not struggle and be anxious the whole time. I think preparation is really the key when it comes to this time of the year and just being more aware. Yeah, absolutely. I love that thought process, Bobby. And I love, you know, the, just given the thought of helping your kids come up with those one-liners, cause it can be very stressful. And I know another thing for my kids was, you know, being forced to hug grandma and grandpa and aunts and uncles and everything at every celebration. Like there were days they just didn't want to. And we had to, it took years to finally get across to family members of, you have to be okay if they do not feel comfortable giving you a hug, you know, because of the traumas that they have. It's it's their choice. You know, it has nothing to do with you necessarily. It's it's them. They don't want to be triggered. They just, they want to be in their comfortable zone. And that doesn't include you right now. So I wanted to share a little bit on a couple of resources that I love. Um, the boundaries books, uh, they're literally like boundaries with kids, boundaries with teens, boundaries for moms. You know, um, the first one is just boundaries and they're by Henry Cloud. He also has a website, boundaries.com that you can um, get a monthly membership to. There's a lot of additional information on there. And the new book by Gabor Mate, um, The Myth of Normal. I love this book because it literally, it, it's perfect timing for our society right now. Um, talking about what is normal, you know, like that's really what this whole mental health stigma is about, right? Is certain people saying that this is what normal is and this is what you have to reach for. This is what you have to hit, right? There is no normal, you know, what is normal? So it's I amazing. love that book. It's a he's, very he's, big book, but yeah, I absolutely love him. He's got videos on YouTube. There's plenty of other books, you know, the book is literally like this thick. So I chose to get it on audible. <laughs> And Kindle, so good um, idea. It's it's amazing. So, anybody want to add anything else before we move on to the next section? I just want to jump in really quick, Bobby. I think that's great about getting your kids to practice these things ahead of time because, yes, I tend to forget that as they've gotten older. Not too long ago, we were at a holiday celebration, and my daughter had just broken up with her boyfriend, and is very emotional, and was triggered when her aunt asked her. Oh, how's he doing? Even though she knew that they'd broken up, my daughter got upset and left the room. You know what I mean? So the whole thing, preparation is key. Yeah. Love it. Great ideas. All right. So shifting our focus a little bit, it's essential to highlight the profound connection between mental health and our overall well-being, right? The state of our mental health can significantly impact our physical and our emotional health. Holistic wellness practices can be powerful tools for supporting our mental health. Mindfulness, meditation, for example, um, we've talked about that previously, um, can help manage stress perception and anxiety. Proper nutrition, regular exercise, um, playing with our kids, things like that. These all play vital roles in balancing our mood and our energy levels. So 
let's talk about expanding on the holistic practices that individuals can incorporate into their holiday routines uh, to support their mental health. And Bobby, I just kind of want to go off of you had previously talked about, you know, starting your day with a quiet routine. Right? It, it's key, even if that means getting up an hour earlier and just kind of forming a new schedule. And some people think, oh, my God, I, I can't get up an hour earlier. Right. Start with 15 minutes earlier. Again, go to 30 minutes earlier, 45 minutes. Right. But then also end your day with that reflection routine, you know, getting out, um, you know, a, a brain a brain dump. I, I have a worksheet that I've given my clients before, and it's just literally a, a sheet with a couple of, you know, keywords and things like that to say brain dump it all, all of those thoughts, all of the issues that went through today, just get it all on paper and get it out and release those negative thoughts and replace them with positive thoughts, positive affirmations, the gratitude journaling and things like that, or some quiet music in a bath, you know, all of the, that's just another routine. Start your day with quiet, end your day with quiet. Jane, how about you? What's some thoughts you have? Okay, for me is to uh, focus on good quality sleep first and foremost. Uh, I know that Anytime that I'm lacking sleep, my day is not going to go like I expected it to, right? Um, I just will be able to be at ease with things that pop up during the day. It just it flows more smoothly. Um, another thing is to pray throughout your day. Um, get out in nature. Uh, just just take good care of yourself. Just you know, just do those little things that can mean a big a big difference in your daily habits. My go-to um, is yoga. I would say probably I dove in maybe about uh, eight years ago, but it really was my saving grace when I, um, as I mentioned before in a previous podcast, I was slapped around with mold and I was just, my brain wasn't working. My nervous system was hijacked and it really, really was my go-to. And it, I went to hot yoga. I did yoga sculpt and different types of yoga, but we as a family a couple years ago went um, to our entire family went to a yoga class the day after Thanksgiving. And it was so fun, first of all, because it was your family, but it was just nice to do something as a group activity. But the nice thing about yoga is it checks all the boxes. You know, um, I know it's not running on a treadmill or elliptical, but you get your heart rate up if you're doing the moves quickly but you're also getting strength and balance and you're getting flexibility, but you're also working with your breath. That's toxins are leaving your system through your breath. That's one of the biggest ways you can release toxins in your system, but it also connects with your nervous system. So there's a mind body connection and a heart. They talk about heart opener movements. They talk about being open. Then there's that lovely time at the end of yoga where you just lay on your mat and you try to push everything out of your mind and so I would suggest if somebody's never tried yoga before or you have a bias against it, try it again. There's so many different yogas, um, resources online that you can do. Um, there's yoga studios that you can access via online. So you don't even have to go to a yoga studio, but that would be the one thing I would suggest you try to do maybe as a New Year's resolution to give yoga a try if you're not. And if you do try it um, and you just haven't been working on it, try to get to it a little more often. And then the second thing I would say, especially at the holidays, is unplug. Unplug, not just your phone, but try to spend less time, especially before you go to bed, um, on electronics, watching TV, you know, find some time to just really have just like that 10 or 15 minutes 
you know, even an hour, if you can squeeze it in where you're just not plugged in into anything and you're reading something, you're relaxing, you're talking, you're quiet, the lights are dim. And I would also suggest trying to consider um, thinking about uh, essential oils. I use a parasympathetic one. It's actually called parasympathetic. It's for calming. Um, I put it on every night behind both my ears and I sniff it. And it's one of those great ways to get your body ready to relax and go to sleep and get the rest that you need because we can't, you can't get through the holidays if you're not sleeping well, like, like Jane said. I love that oil. I have it as well. I like, yeah, I love the aromatherapy, even um, not just the diffuser or putting it, you know, in your on your certain points, but also in your bath, like with some Epsom salts. I like doing that. Um, drinking some nice herbal tea when you're laying in your bath. Um, one of my absolute favorites of all times is deep breathing exercises. And my, my absolute favorite one is called square breathing or box breathing. I see it listed as both. It was taught to me as square breathing, but it's when you breathe in through your nose for four. Some people do it longer, hold for four, and then you breathe out through your mouth for four, and then you hold for four. And this is one that really literally saved me with my heart arrhythmia that I have. Um, often at night, I use that breathing technique and, you know, sometimes it's immediate. Other times it could take me a half hour, but it does work, which is a good thing. So definitely that one. Um, I love sound therapy. So, you know, whether it's just some nice soothing music, but I love nature sounds like music of the waves or the rain. There's even the cute little sound machines that you can get that play those. Some people sleep with them. My husband tries to, but uh, they start irritating me when I'm trying to sleep. But um, uh, binaural beats, you can go on YouTube and click on some binaural beats. Um, little YouTube videos that are great to listen to with headphones, I suggest. Um, trying to think what, oh, do something special for yourself. So go get a massage, something that you don't normally do. Go get a spa treatment, a nice facial, some kind of spa treatment. Those are also great things to do. Take care of yourself during the holidays. Yeah, I, I also love the Calm app. Sarah, you didn't, that's one yes, of the things I, love, I love, love the Calm app. Um, but another another option is I like to think of is making sure your body, you have proper nutrients in your body and have proper hydration. Um, if you're eating a bunch of garbage, you're not going to be, you know, working at your optimal self. So make sure you're eating good whole foods, uh, staying away from the processed, fried, you know, anything junk. So, and then getting plenty of water. Um, you know, especially if you're going to go have a couple of drinks, you need to make sure you've got proper hydration because the alcohol is very dehydrating. Um, so that's one couple of things that I feel that are super important uh, during this time to give yourself the best best start to the day is um, your nutrition and hydration. Absolutely. It's, hydration is one of those things so many people forget on a daily basis, not just during the holidays, right? Like it's, we constantly forget and, and the type of water that we're drinking, right? And, you know, so many of us are low in electrolytes and we don't think to add, you know, a dash of something like Celtic sea salt to our water to help increase the electrolyte connection in our body and getting that water actually pushed into our cells. 
um, a lot of clients that I've seen, you know, they have swelling, you know, swelling in their legs, swelling in their hands or fingers. And sometimes that can be a sign that you have enough water, especially if you're, if you're drinking enough water during the day, but it's a sign that yep, that water's not being pushed into your cells like it needs to be. So electrolytes are key in there. So as we near the end of our discussion, let's talk about the importance of fostering a culture of support and self-compassion during the holidays. Um, you're not alone. You're never alone in your mental health journey. The limits that are there are the limits that you have set yourself. You need to reach out to family, friends, and professionals when you need the support or simply just, you know, someone who has a listening ear, right? The act of offering support to others can also be healing. So if you have somebody that you know that is struggling this year and just reaching out to them, making a phone call, stopping by, seeing if they need anything, being that listening ear is very, very powerful. Um, and self-compassion is a powerful gift to yourself during the holidays, being kind to yourself, acknowledging your feelings, practicing self-care without guilt. Um, self-compassion uh, about things you might not be able to do and provide during the season is a big one. You know, we're in a holiday season where we're running around, like you said earlier, Sarah, you know, like you come out of the store and you felt empty, right? Um, it, because you've gotten all these gifts, but it, it didn't fill that hole that was there, right? And And we are in the society that pushes us to, they have to have the best toys for Christmas and this and that and that. We've talked in a previous episode where, you know, have more experiences than, you know, the material things. But sometimes it's very hard for us to have that self-compassion and tell ourselves it's okay if you didn't get this, didn't get that. It's okay if somebody's going to be upset because they didn't receive A, B, C, or D. You know, it's okay if somebody's going to be upset because you told them no, because you you can't overextend yourself. You're, you refuse to overextend yourself, right? Having that self-compassion and that internal voice that says, it's all right. I'm okay with the decisions that I'm making. I'm okay if somebody else is going to be upset. That's on them. That's not on me, right? Bobby, what are some thoughts you have? I think I love that idea of, about setting that expectations, um, especially if you can do it ahead of time, especially if you have adult children, they're adults. And, you know, Christmas tends to be more, you know, the Santa and all of that kind of stuff is for the younger kids. But being able to share with your adult children, like this is this is our vision, you know, going forward for Christmas presents for you all, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I know we got the opportunity, my my family did, um, a lot of churches have all kinds of different things you can do at Christmas time, right, to, to support another family. And we were able to go um, pick a family off the angel tree, which is families that have someone in their family that's incarcerated. And we actually got to deliver presents to a family that their the dad was incarcerated. And it was a stretch for us because we're walking into, literally went to their home and never met them before. There wasn't anybody there to introduce us. Um, and um, it was a stretch for all of us. I felt like just kind of getting out of our comfort zone, bringing them presents. They had put their choices on this tree and things like that. But it was also a time to just really share what Christmas was about and share the gospel with them and share, you know, about baby Jesus and things like that. And I think I was changing my kids and my husband when we left there that that was Christmas to us, that bringing hope and and bringing, you know, the story of Christmas and that kind of stuff to, to a family that really was struggling in their own way by missing someone in their unit. And 
I think that those are the kind of things that when you show that type of support, it really resonates inside your own heart and your own soul and brings your vibration up when you bring someone else's vibration up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Does anybody else want to jump in? Yeah, I have to agree. Um, one of the opportunities I had a few years ago is our church was able to find a, um, maybe I think it was a dozen families or so who were very, um, very needy. And we were able to, to provide them holiday meals. I mean, everything to a fully cooked turkey to, you know, all the fixings and be able to, to deliver that to them and spread the spread the love of Jesus, you know, and, and, and share the gospel with them. So that was an amazing opportunity for, for me and my family. And we really definitely enjoyed it. Same, similar to the angel tree, like you were saying. Absolutely. I know we've had, we've been one of those families that, you know, some people from church have reached out to us and helped us with Christmas time for the kids and everything. And ever since it's something that was completely unexpected. We didn't even know anybody knew that we were struggling that year. And so we strive every year to find those opportunities that we can pass that forward, you know. I think another thing to look at is pay attention to those who maybe had a life change before the holidays. And maybe this is their first year where, you know, for example, I had a friend once who was going or had just gone through a divorce. This is the first year she was going to not have her kids for that particular holiday. I think it was Christmas. And Really, I mean, I wasn't supposed to do anything for her. I mean, she just needed someone to listen to her and understand that she was lonely. She wasn't going to be with her kids. And it was time. Time spent with someone. That's all a lot of these people want. They want that attention. They want someone to listen. They want the special time. So they're not sitting alone in their home during these holidays, right? Yes, 100%. People like that who have gone through a life change, whether it was, you know, losing a spouse or something. That's a great tip. Thank you very much, Sarah. So before we wrap up, it's time for our North Star tip, which is our takeaway for our listeners to implement in their wellness journey. Incorporate daily moments of mindfulness, even if it's just for a few minutes of deep breathing or a short walk. Prioritize self-care without guilt. And remember, it's okay to ask for help when needed. If you need help, please don't hesitate to reach out to a therapist. We've given you several options during this episode. Betterhelp.com is one of the top options we give you. There are so many resources out there now. Um, something like BetterHelp, you can get matched up to a therapist that just matches what you need in, in your personality. And you can do it anywhere, whether it's on your phone, on your computer, anything. On your lunch break, you can text your therapist in between sessions. It's a fantastic option that they've had out for a few years, and I'm so glad that they brought it out. Some quotes to be considered today. No one is useless in this world who lightens the burdens of others. That's Charles Dickens. And another one is slow breathing is like an anchor in the midst of an emotional storm. The anchor won't make the storm go away, but it will hold you steady until it passes from Russ Harris. Thank you for joining us in this very important conversation on mental health during the holidays. Remember, you are not alone. There is support available. Until next time, stay well, be mindful, and just take care. We will see you all very soon. Have a great day.